shadow is you, and pink it will be. So stand up with your shadow and yell, this is me! And some they will love you, and some they will not. But those that do love you, they love you For me personally, this is the bullying, harassment that I've received online has been truly awful. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much because I will start crying and that will ruin my makeup. Um, it's been relentless and terrible, especially because um, it's not about me. They're using me as a conduit. They take. I'm a very public person, both in drag and out of drag. I love what I do. I love entertaining people, and I love being a part of the LGBTQA plus communities and celebrating who we are. And they're trying to use that against me as a weapon against other people. And what those library workers have had to go through has been terrible. No one should have to experience that in their workplace. I shouldn't have to experience that just for being an entertainer and entertaining kids. And I just wish these people would come and experience the art form that we do instead of harassing and bullying online and making up fake content because it's gross. We will never, ever let a small hate-filled rabble take away from our joy and our pride, our dignity and our well-being. I can't think of any better reason to celebrate than today. So, take your vile, disgusting views, your protests, like you're the people that have got a problem. Hello, it's great to have your company. As you can see, the radical left is very happy to play hardball in the culture wars. After mainstream mums and dads protested a drag queen storytime event at Monash Library in Melbourne, resulting in it being cancelled, Victoria's Labor Premier, Dan Andrews, invited the drag queens into Parliament House. That was the footage you saw at the start of the show. And he's told us what he thinks of you. you we're all hate-filled bigots, apparently. And by the way, this image that's about to come on screen is of Frock Hudson from his Facebook page. He was the drag queen speaking to camera. Now, let's hope that the children don't have devices that can access Facebook because those are images from his Facebook page and he was there in the Victorian Parliament House yesterday being put up by the Victorian Premier as an appropriate role model for your children. Now, while the left plays hard, the Liberal Party has told their people to stay out of the culture wars, as I reported to you in last week's show. That's why you and I are here today. I make no apologies for bringing you a show which is confronting and takes on these issues. Our society is sleepwalking into tragedy, particularly for girls, women, and children. We have to wake up, and we have to wake up to what our politicians are doing right under our noses in the halls of Parliament House. Those who are standing up and are calling it out are being demonized and persecuted by lying media and weak politicians. So I'm gonna be talking about more redeeming again today, the Victorian Liberal Upper House MP, who's courageous but who was unjustly expelled from the Liberals' party room. Shortly, I'll also be speaking with uh, Rachel Wong, the CEO of Women's Forum Australia, to help unpack why the Queensland Minister for Women, Shannon Fentiman, thinks it is her job to represent women who have penises and allow these biological males into the same private spaces as girls and women. I told you this was a confronting show, but we are living through a mad moment of history. And in one of the more shocking cultural developments, I'll also talk later in the show to Iraq war veteran and activist Bernard Gaynor, who has taken concerns about a pornographic library book 
to the police. Why is it that queer culture seems to push the boundaries of society's last taboo, adult-child sexual relations? Kiralee Smith will join me as usual from Binary and we'll look at this week's Ida Hobbit Day and what that day means for girls in swim teams in the US having to undress in front of males pretending to be women. But first, I want to call out something that needs to be called out. When I was campaigning in Victoria in the lead up to last November's election, I witnessed several Liberal candidates pitching for Christian and Conservative votes. Now, nothing wrong with this. The Family First Party, of which I'm the National Director, was doing the same. We live in a democracy. While the failure of institutional Labor and Liberal parties to stand for family, faith, freedom and life is the reason Family First exists, the cause is the cause. And at Family First, we're always glad when the major parties pre-select fellow travellers. Now, many religious and conservative constituencies are alarmed with and with good reason about Victoria's and Australia's drift to the radical left. There is now uh, a lot more interest in party politics from these people, at least at a grassroots level. Uh, and this interest has grown since uh, marriage was redefined in law back in 2017 through that plebiscite. Top of mind is concern for religious freedom because of the legislative successes of LGBTIQA political activists who, with the help of politicians from both sides, have created serious vulnerabilities in the law for people of faith and family. Also right up there is the threat to girls' and women's safety and sports because of the demands of biological males identifying as females. Now, Moira Deeming's candidacy for the Victorian Upper House made her an attractive choice to this constituency because she had a track record of speaking up uh, when she was outside of the parliament. Many of Moira's fellow Liberal candidates also presented at meetings of Christian and Muslim leaders in the lead up to the November election, pledging to fight for religious freedom and for the truth about gender. They were seeking support, they were seeking endorsements, and they were seeking volunteers who would then go and stand on polling places for them. I know this because I was at some of the same meetings doing the same thing. As I said, we live in a democracy. Now, Christian and Muslim leaders I met with were more than open to candidates uh, whether they were from a minor party like Family First or a Christian from the Liberals, if they were pledging to take a stand on some of these key issues. The one Liberal who kept her promise to speak up once elected was Deeming. That's why it was such a shock to read at the weekend that two Liberal candidates that I had met at such meetings, now both Liberal parliamentarians, voted to expel Deeming in that infamous party room meeting held just over a week ago. Now, in recent years, many Australian Christians have been captivated by the story of the German dissident Dietrich Bonhoeffer, thanks to American author Eric Metaxas's popular biography of him. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself, Bonhoeffer famously said, and Metaxas's reprisal of this quote has struck a chord in these times where our politicians, again from both sides, have legalised things like abortion to birth and allow experimental transgender treatments even on children. Now, sadly, there is way too much silence in the Liberal Party. But what we saw last week was far worse than silence. Deeming was being punished for speaking up for girls' and women's safety. As a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, Deeming knows the risks of biological males being given access to girls' and women's spaces. Despite this, 
Her leader, John Pesciuto, smeared her as a Nazi sympathiser, a vicious lie, and then, once the lie was exposed, refused to exonerate her as agreed. Now, shunned and shamed, Deeming sought to clear her name, working patiently over many weeks. Pesciuto arrogantly refused, and she was left with no choice but to take legal action. Another historical figure Christians like to quote is Edmund Burke. He famously said, all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Now, Evan Mulholland and Anne-Marie Hermans didn't just do nothing. Having courted Christian votes before the election, they then cooperated with a grave injustice in expelling a brave woman who was simply doing what they had once implied before Christian leaders that they would also do. Now, these events must be a wake-up call for religious and conservative leaders. Greater discernment of Liberal Party candidates courting their votes and volunteers will be needed in the future. Anyone that identifies as a woman is a woman. And as the Minister for Women, I take a really inclusive approach. And we want to govern for all Queenslanders, but all people who identify as a woman are a part of our policies and strategies to advance gender equality. Well, my next guest is Rachel Wong, the CEO of Women's Forum Australia. Rachel, welcome to ADH TV. Thank you for having me, Lyle. Well, Rachel, what we've just seen there is the Queensland Labor Government's Minister for Women, Shannon Fentiman, although she's just recently uh, changed portfolios this week uh, to Health Minister, but uh, speaking there recently as Minister for Women. Rachel, help us understand what we've just heard. Okay, well, firstly, what we just heard didn't actually make any sense because, you know, the Minister for Women is saying anyone who identifies as a woman is a woman. But what does that even mean? We still don't know what a woman is. Like, what are you actually identifying as? Um, so nonsensical to start with. But, of course, we all know what she really means, and that is that any man who wants to say he's a woman can say he's a woman, pretend he's a woman, and that has to be respected by everyone else around him, whether that be whether that be um, in relation to bathrooms or sports or changing rooms or prisons. Um, so, so we know what she's saying, even though on the face of it, it really doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, and, and Rachel, this is, of course, in the context of some radical legislation, which is before the Queensland Parliament right now, um, to allow males who are identifying as women uh, to change their birth certificates and, and vice versa. But I guess the real worry is, is males. Well, it affects everyone. Um, so, so what happens under this self-ID legislation, Rachel, if a child wants to self-identify as someone of the opposite gender? So under the self-identification laws that they are pushing forward in Queensland, we're actually just waiting for debate on those. That could sort of be any day now. Um, children are allowed to change the sex on their birth certificates, just like adults will be allowed to do. Um, they, they have sort of a few more safeguards in there, but they're not they're not really safeguards. I mean, it, there's no age limit for starters, and um, the child has to speak to some, some professional. I don't think it even has to be a doctor, actually. Um, and this is actually incredibly dangerous because, as we know, children who are gender confused, 
there are lots and lots of reasons for that. You know, we've got research that says, you know, there could be backgrounds of family dysfunction, there could be backgrounds of abuse, they could have autism, you know, they could have same-sex attraction. There are so many different things. And what this legislation will do is it will allow them to concretize a transgender identity in law, which could then actually put them on that conveyor belt to um, to medicalization of that identity. So it's, it's incredibly dangerous um, and, and there just are not sufficient safeguards in place in the laws that have been proposed. Yeah, you use those uh, nice terms that we hear, um, medicalization of their gender identity. But what we're talking about is, you know, irreversible puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and even radical surgery on children. Um, what you've just described there, that that um, that uh, ability of children to transition, that that is, um, as I read it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that is with or without parental consent. If, if the parents don't want this, there's a pathway for a child to do this against the will of their parent. Am I right in saying that? That's right. So the legislation is broken up into different sections whereby, um, generally speaking, the parental consent would be required, but there are certainly avenues for where that can be um, put aside if, I, if the courts, I think, decide that that's in the best interest of the child. So we really are living in an era now where parents' rights uh, mean nothing in our society. Um, now, Rachel, I've looked, and that's very disturbing, I've looked at the uh, Queensland Parliamentary Report into this legislation conducted by the Legal and Affairs and Safety Committee, um, very poorly named committee of the Queensland Parliament. Two things struck me. One is that the Queensland Liberal National Party members who were on that committee did not oppose this radical change and seemed to be setting themselves up to wave the legislation through the parliament. The second thing was that the government and the Queensland Human Rights Commission were both dismissive of the warnings about the dangers to women and girls of having biological males in their private spaces. They said there was no evidence of problems overseas where other jurisdictions had legalised self-ID. Uh, is that true? So in relation to the first question, so the Liberal National members and the one independent, independent member on the committee, they did put forward statements of reservation. So my understanding is that they did not there were six members on the committee. There were three Labor. There were two Liberals and there were there was one independent. The two Liberals and the one independent did put forward statements of reservation about the potential harms of the legislation and about the fact that it had, it had been rushed through the Parliament. So my understanding is that they, they didn't support it. I don't know well, that well, well, Rachel, can I just Can I just stop you there? Look, um, I, I, I'm happy to stand corrected there, but uh, I've been around politics long enough and I know you have too that it's generally common, if, if a law is so egregious as this one clearly is, you would put in a dissenting report and say that we um, are opposing this legislation that should not be passed. But what the uh, LNP members have done is put in this insipid statement of reservation. I've never seen that before in a parliamentary process. That's why I, I think that uh, no, David Crucifelli... Right, well, it was, it was very... <laughs> It's very soft, and I think more importantly, the Liberal Party itself has not come out strongly against this. So the members of the committee, they put forward, like you said, a very soft statement of reservation. Um, the Labor members obviously were fully in support of it. Um, yeah. But but yeah, more importantly, the wider Liberal Party has, has done nothing to actually push back against this. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens it's, when it comes to debate. It's very alarming, uh, Rachel. I mean, I googled uh, the LNP Attorney General, Tim Nichols, and I couldn't find him making any comments about this. He's supposed to be shadowing uh, Shannon Fentiman, who doesn't know what a woman is, who's representing people with penises as, as women. Um, you'd think this would be a free kick for uh, David Crucifelli, 
the uh, opposition leader up there in Queensland and for his team to connect with mainstream voters, but they're not. But let's just go back to the um, the second part of that question. I shouldn't have asked you a double-barrelled question, Rachel, but um, <laughs> I, I, did, I did notice in skimming through uh, that report that the, the, the government, the Labor Palaszczuk government and the Queensland Human Rights Commission dismissed the concerns that groups like yourself raised about the dangers of having biological males in a girl's toilet or a woman's uh, change room or a female-only prison. Um, they said there's no evidence of problems overseas. Uh, is that true? Oh, it's absolutely not true. And the way that the committee members dealt with it in the room on the day during the oral hearings was actually just quite astonishing. So basically, myself and other members put forward countless stories of harm. We also followed up with countless more stories of harm in our supplementary evidence. And the line that we kept getting, particularly from the Labor Committee members, was, oh, but is there any peer-reviewed evidence for that? And it's like, excuse me, there are media reports, there are court cases involving women being raped by trans-identifying males in prison, uh, on hospital wards, in refuges. And, and this is just the sort of, this is just the more extreme end of the harm. Like obviously there's also women who are having their places taken from them in sporting teams and sporting podiums, um, scholarships, all that kind of thing. There are so many different harms in relation to self-identification laws and policies. And they just, they didn't want to bar of it. And that reflects exactly how the Attorney General, Shannon Fentiman, who is championing this law, that reflects her sentiments in the public as well. Time and again, she said, no, 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 there's no evidence of harm overseas. And anyone who says that is transphobic. That's what she said time and again. So it's, yeah, I think it's extraordinary. And it's the whole, the whole process, to be honest, has been a farce. And it's, it's sad that we, we have to kind of go along with that. But the reality is we need to put these things on the record for the future when this does all go pear-shaped. And it will because it has done overseas. And so, you know, as, as much as I kind of think well, there's almost no point because they're just going to wave this bill through anyway, um, we, have to, we have to put those things on the record. Yeah, good on you, Rachel, and, and good on all the other organisations. I know Australian Christian Lobby and many others were involved in this. Um, so the government can't say they weren't warned, but um, it's just breathtaking, the lies. Um, it's extraordinary to me, Rachel, that um, Nicola Sturgeon, the former um, Chief Minister of Scotland, uh, First Minister, I might, might have that terminology wrong, she lost her job um, as the leader of the Scottish nation uh, over legislation almost identical to that which Anastasia Palaszczuk and Shannon Fentiman, with the support, of course, of the LNP, uh, are, are pushing through, through Queensland. Why is this issue not gaining traction here in Australia as it did in Scotland? I think one of the key differences with Scotland was um, the media coverage. So Nicola Sturgeon really got put on the spot by some good journalists who called out the issues with, you know, male rapists being housed in women's prisons, with the concerns around the self-ID laws. And those videos went viral and it was incredibly embarrassing for her. There were a lot of women's advocates and others pushing back against this as well. Uh, I think the fact, the, the fact that the UK stepped in to help block the law was also very helpful. But I think media has a huge role to play and we're not we're not seeing enough of that from the mainstream media in Australia there's almost like this kind of protection racket going on when it comes to this kind of thing even last week when Shannon Fentiman you know had that absurd definition of a woman it was barely covered um and, and it should have been covered because she's yeah. the minister for women who doesn't know what women are yeah, we are being let down by the media in this country. Uh, that's why platforms like ADHD, just a shameless plug, uh, exist. Um, and, and, you know, thank goodness for that. We, we, we've got to find a way to get the truth out. Um, 
and we'll, we'll continue watching that issue in Queensland, as you say, the debate is due to come on any day now. Um, but just switching to another issue, Rachel, last month, uh, you and others spoke up about the ABC, our taxpayer-funded broadcaster, glamorising the self-harm of young people. Uh, I'm going to put an image up on the screen right now, which comes from the ABC Queer Instagram page brought to you by the taxpayer. Rachel, what are we seeing here? Is this an act of self-love, as the ABC describes it, or is it the ABC showcasing something that's actually far more sinister? Yeah, I think what we're seeing here is actually incredibly disturbing and insidious. The fact that the ABC is promoting what is effectively self-harm to its followers as something that's something that's loving. And again, as, as we talked about earlier with young people who are transitioning, and not just young people, but, but people in general who have gender confusion and who, who think that they've been born in the wrong body or who, who don't feel comfortable in, you know, with their biological sex. There is so much hurt often underlying that, so many various different psychological issues, other issues, and those things aren't being addressed. Instead, we're telling young women, who, by the way, are overrepresented when it comes to those showing up at gender clinics, um, that actually cutting off their healthy breasts is, a, is an act of self-love. And, and not only have we got these issues in relation to gender-confused young people, but the self-harm is also, in general, it's also an issue in this country with, with young women in particular. So to kind of promote that, I think is incredibly dangerous and just, yes, very, very disturbing. Well, shame on the ABC. Uh, um, I can't let you go, Rachel, without asking for your views on uh, Moira Deeming, who I know is a friend of yours and, and someone who's a friend of mine as well. She was, uh, she's Victorian Upper House MP, expelled disgracefully from the Liberals' party room after her leader, John Pesuto, falsely smeared her as someone who associates with Nazis. Um, this was after the Let Women Speak rally, and I know you've been involved in some of those events around the country. It was gate-crashed by some, some Nazis, nothing to do with the Let Women Speak rally. And then once the big lie was exposed, Pesuto arrogantly refused to clear her name. Now, Moira appeared this week on Peter Credlin's excellent show on Sky News, where she was asked the following. What do you say about the Liberal Party connecting to women? Well, I think it needs to be made far more clear exactly what type of women are allowed. Now, now Rachel, um, I wish I had the video of, of another interview that was done this week, but this was with our Victorian Liberal Senator Jane Hume, where she was asked on Sky by Laura Jays why Moira Deeming had been expelled. And Senator Hume said it was because Moira was not a team player and it was because she was suing Pesciuto for defamation. But Rachel, what, what else was Moira supposed to do? Are Liberal women simply meant to allow themselves to be walked all over by powerful men in the Liberal Party who treat them like dirt, as, as uh, that Senator Jane as Senator uh, Jane Hume's expectation, that seems to be what she's asking Moira to do, to be a team player. What do you think? I think those com comments are absolutely ridiculous. And I think that if an injustice had been done um, to another colleague in her party, I wonder whether or not she would have had the same response. I just think that, you know, Moira, she went through she went through the process. She, she tried to get Pseudo to do the one thing that he'd agreed to do, which was to help her clear her name of Nazi slurs. She knew that she'd done nothing wrong. The only reason she accepted the initial nine-month suspension was because her family was suffering because of these horrendous, horrendous slurs against her. 
he didn't do that. She was actually incredibly careful not not to talk about the stuff in the media while he actually went around talking to everyone he could, basically. So she dealt with this with a lot of grace. But, you know, almost two months went by and and still still nothing. So in the end, she had no choice but to sort of take stronger action so that she could actually get her name cleared of these false accusations. Um, and so, so, yeah, I just wonder if, if someone whose views maybe the senator did agree with had had a um, issue with someone in the party who had committed an injustice against that person, whether her views might be different. And I just think, again, like a lot of other people who are saying Mora was expelled for this or that, I think it's just excuses um, to basically get rid of someone who they don't like. And and which is goes back to what you were saying before about um, women, the type of women being allowed in the Liberal Party. And we see that it is women with more conservative views that are being targeted. But I just think it's quite interesting because they're seen as conservative views within the Liberal Party. But actually, more broadly, they're not seen as conservative views at all. They're actually seen as very mainstream views. Women and girls should be entitled to single-sex spaces, single-sex sports, you know, biological sex is real. Those are not conservative views. Those are mainstream views. As Moira herself says, biological sex is not a left versus right issue. So, um, yeah, I think I think the Liberal Party just maybe needs to have a little bit of a reflection and to take a long, hard look at itself because I don't see any conviction coming out of them on these kinds of issues, and I just think um, there needs to be some. Yeah, really well said, Rachel. And we've seen this lack of conviction in two states um, up in Queensland where they're not even fighting Shannon Fentiman and... Anastasia Palaszczuk's gender self-ID law and, uh, and of course in Victoria where John Pesciuto and Senator James Hume just expect a, a, a woman who holds these mainstream views to shut up and take her punishment. That would never happen to a woman of the left. Rachel Wong from Women's Forum Australia, thank you so much for your time today here on ADH TV. Thank you for having me, Lyle. Well, it's great to welcome back my regular guest, uh, Kiralee Smith, advocate for women and children and girls uh, from Binary. Kiralee, Wednesday this week was the International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia, Transphobia. It's called Ida Hobbit Day. Um, I noticed that the Victorian Pride Lobby uh, was boasting that all 79 local councils in Victoria were flying the Pride flag. Your ratepayers' dollars at work right there. But uh, Kiralee, on Ida Hobbit Day this week, you tweeted this video clip of a young US swimmer, Riley Gaines, testifying recently before the US Congress. A six foot four, he's actually taller than six foot one, a six foot four male walks in, disrobes, and is fully intact with male genitalia while we're simultaneously undressing as 18 to 22 year old girls, and we could do nothing about it. And actually, Leah Thomas's teammates who dealt with this every single day all year when they expressed their discomfort to their administration and they sent an email, um, and I swear I have a screenshot of their response, their administration responded back with, if you feel uncomfortable seeing male genitalia, here's some counseling resources that you should seek. Now, now Kiralee, in putting that tweet out on Ida Hobbit Day, what were you trying to help the wider community understand? Well, when we conflate sex and gender identity, this is what happens. Young girls are forced to share dressing rooms with males fully intact, with all their genitalia, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's so oppressive, it's so unfair, it's so unsafe for these girls, and then they're given the recommendation that, or told that they're gaslit into being told, it's your problem, 
not ours. And this is happening not just in America, it's happening right around Australia with so many community sports in rape crisis centres, in prisons, you name it. Anywhere that should be a single sex space for women only is now being invaded and we are being gaslit into being told it is our problem, not theirs. Um, and this is what things like Otter Hobbit Day do. They conflate sex and gender identity and leave us with a massive pile of rubbish to try and clean up. How do we help people, Kiralee, see that, you know, Ida Hobbit Day, you know, it's a day where a lot of workplaces might fly the rainbow flag. You know, all those councils in Victoria were flying the rainbow flag. But what they're doing is, is flying a flag that trashes the rights of girls and women to their privacy. Yes, it does. And it, it really sends an intimidating message that anyone who wants to oppose that message based on simple biological facts, it's not hateful, it's just simple truth and facts, that they will be uh, penalised, they will be ostracised, they may be bullied for holding a very mainstream, very reasonable, very scientific view that sex matters. Kiralee, I think the day is going to be coming uh, probably sooner than we think when people will look upon that rainbow flag, not as a flag of uh, affection or, or warmth, but as something which carried a very sinister uh, agenda with it. And uh, this is starting to be exposed and, and good on you for putting that tweet out of Riley Gaines on Ida Hobbit Day. Um, now, this is exactly the sort of thing that our friend Moira Deeming, uh, the Victorian upper house uh, Liberal MP who was expelled recently. This is the sort of thing she's trying to stand up for but got expelled for her trouble. Now, since I spoke uh, last, um, as I said, she's been ex expelled from the Liberal Party. I just want to get your thoughts. Uh, I think it would be remiss of us not to hear what you have to say on the events of the past week of her being thrown out of the party room by John Pesuto and 19 or 18 of his very weak colleagues. Uh, it is absolutely devastating and infuriating um, that the, the majority of these people, uh, mostly men, and, and that's not a slight on all men because there's great men like yourself, Lyle, and my husband and so many others who stand up in this space, but weak men and some women who think that, that by pandering to a small group of uh, the society that they're going to win more votes. Well, I can tell you right now, they're not going to win any of the you know, um, LGBT votes because they made this stand. They're not going to, and they're going to lose votes that they did have because they've refused to have a backbone and stand up for what is true and right and correct. They've given no reason whatsoever why Moira's views are unacceptable or reprensible or uh, should she should be expelled for. They simply just want to cut her off, silence her and distance themselves from her very reasonable mainstream views. She was an elected member of parliament via the Liberal Party and they have completely uh, shown utter contempt towards the, their own voters in this and I think it will come back to bite them in a very serious way. I think you're exactly right, Kiralee, and that's why I think that tweet you put out on Ida Hobbit Day is so important because it shows a brave young woman, Riley Gaines, a swimmer, talking about her experiences with biological males in her dressing room while she was at a swim meet. Um, and, and this is what John Pesuto and those other 18 cowards in the Liberal Party room are supporting. They're supporting that as opposed to Moira, who's saying that's not okay. It's just mind boggling. And I think uh, these people are gonna find themselves on the wrong side of history very soon. 
Most definitely. And, you know, what's really interesting even in in both those conversations, Lyle, is there is a movement now of LGB without the T. This isn't just a, you know, a right-wing or conservative movement. The LGB relies on biological reality, whereas the trans plus uh, denies biological reality and now we're seeing the consequences of that in so many areas and for the Liberal Party to do what they did and to not hold the, the ground that historically they would have held uh, just puts them in really muddy water and they have the spines of jellyfish, Lyle. It's really disappointing. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And as I said at the top of the show, uh, two of the at least two of those people in the uh, nineteen who voted to expel Moira were people who I met at forums of Christian leaders where they were soliciting the votes of Christians and then they've gone and expelled Moira. Uh, it's an absolute shocking situation. Now, it's not, not just the Liberal Party persecuting women for standing up for women's rights. Associate Professor of Philosophy at Melbourne University, Holly Lawford-Smith, has lodged a complaint against her employer for not providing a safe workplace. Uh, Kirill, you've written about this this week. Uh, what's at play here? Oh, hey, well, let's just watch, um, watch Holly speaking and then I'll get your reaction. Some of these posters are extremely targeted. They name me, they call me a fascist and a bigot. They put my students in a really difficult position, like they shouldn't take my classes or be associated with me. So what's going on here, Kiralee? Well, Professor or Associate Professor Holly Lawford-Smith uh, is a self-prescribed uh, left-wing feminist and uh, here she is being systematically targeted and abused in her workplace with stickers and posters and intimidation of her students as she said that um, there's a lot of bullying going on and trying to get these students not to take her classes. Now all that she does is rely on the biological sex argument and that women deserve single sex spaces and services and so good on Holly she has taken that proactive step of going to Workplace Victoria putting in a complaint and, uh, and basically taking the fight back to them because it's completely unacceptable that in a place, a tertiary education, a university where all ideas should be rigorously analysed and debated and explored, she's being continually penalised and shut down for her efforts. So she has my 100% full support in her action. Now, now Kirli, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but was Holly Lawford-Smith, was she one of the participants at the Let Women Speak rally on the steps of Parliament House that uh, got more redeeming into so much trouble? She absolutely was. And, uh, you know, as we've said time and time again, the Let Women Speak event is to let women speak. And it's not about a left or right wing issue. It's not conservative or progressive. It's not about ethnicity. It's not about our socioeconomic backgrounds. It is because we are women and we simply need to speak about it. Absolutely. So here's here's a lefty, someone from the left, uh, having stickers put around Melbourne University saying she is a fascist. Um, now, and, and she's having to go to her, employ her to try and get some redress. It's just unbelievable. The LGBTIQA plus political movement, they're the ones that are acting like fascists, which is just a synonym for totalitarians in case anyone wants to, you know, <laughs> uh, make um, imputations that are not there. But uh, this is clearly just, um, it, it's beyond the pale. She's been called a fascist, yet the, um, the, uh, uh, behaviour towards her is is in that vein. Now, now, Kiralee, um the ABC. Uh, <laughs> what do we do about the ABC? Yeah, it was forced to make an apology recently for disseminating false information 
about puberty blockers. These are chemicals that are given to children to try and stop them developing their genitalia, their breasts if they're girls. Um, they gave out false information. How did the ABC get it so wrong? And should they be liable uh, for their negligence? Look, it is absolutely mind-boggling that the evidence is very clear that puberty blockers are not fully reversible and they have very serious consequences such as sterility, no sexual function, brain and bone development issues, and yet the ABC is so captured by this ridiculous narrative uh, that children can consent to these kind of medications and permanent disabilities that will be uh, given. It is unacceptable. There should be some sort of repercussions. And this is why Binary is calling for a Royal Commission into uh, an inquiry into gender clinics uh, because the Royal Melbourne Children's Hospital on their website say that uh, puberty blockers are reversible and it's simply not true. And the academics like Holly Lawford-Smith and others who uh, attempt to do any kind of study or research uh, into these things get harassed, get bullied, get funding withdrawn, um, and it's simply not there. But all of the evidence that we need is available. Countries like Sweden and Finland have already uh, outlawed giving these sort of drugs uh, to children, and uh, rightly so. And the ABC is complicit in a lot of harm that's being done to children in this country. This is a scandal of the highest order. You've got the ABC being forced to apologies, apologise, yet the uh, child gender clinic at the Royal Melbourne Children's Hospital uh, is still putting out a lie. Um, Kiralee, finally, um, during the week, former Prime Minister Julia Gillard has said she got it wrong when she opposed same-sex marriage. That is the degendering of marriage. Now, I don't think she got it wrong at all because marriage protects the rights of children wherever possible to have the love of their mother and father, something which is impossible in, in same-sex marriage. That's another issue. But given the war on girls and women that has been waged and unleashed by LGBTIQA plus activists since marriage was redefined, is Julia Gillard being too hard on herself? Julia Gillard has got so many things wrong that's not funny. <laughs> and so that's just, you know, it's another thing to add to the list. But by degendering the um, and by redefining the word marriage, you and I and many others warned that this would lead to exactly what's happening with this war on women and children. And Jul Julia Gillard is also responsible for re removing the... Uh, definitions of sex from the Sex Discrimination Act. So there are no longer any protections for girls and women under the Sex Discrimination Act, uh, which so many of us who are now in court cases have finding out. And so uh, Julia Gillard, whether she's sorry for this or that, is a bit meaningless to me, to be quite honest right yeah. now, Lyle, because those mistakes have very serious, very far-reaching consequences that we're now left to deal with. No, that, that's exactly right. And you mentioned court cases, and I know you've got to be careful what you say, but you're involved in litigation. I'm involved in litigation, and I'll talk about that in a moment on this show. Uh, and uh, Holly Lawford-Smith, um, uh, Louise, Sal Grover, Sal Grover and, and the, yes, um, uh, Councillor Elliot of the Hobart Elliot. City Council, they're just the ones we know about that are being uh, persecuted or engaged in litigation all since same-sex marriage was legalised and has emboldened and weaponised uh, anti-discrimination law. Um, where does this all end, Kiralee? Well, I don't know, but I know that uh, all of us are very... Um, 
convinced that we must fight this fight, we must oppose these ridiculous laws to the nth degree because it is not hateful and it is not irrational to say that a person cannot change their sex and the impact that that then has, particularly on women and children in this country. Yeah, this is not the Australia you and I grew up in. Uh, Kira Lee Smith from Binary, thank you again for your time today. We really appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks, Lyle. Well, joining me now is Iraq War veteran, former Army Major Bernard Gaynor. Welcome, Bernie. G'day, Lyle. Thanks for having me on. Bernie, it's great. it is great to have you. Uh, like me, you've got a long history of activism motivated by a desire to protect children from inappropriate material. You've been persecuted and sacked by the army for calling out the top brass for allowing soldiers to march in the Mardi Gras in uniform. And you've recently won a seven year legal battle against a New South Wales gay activist who brought multiple vexatious complaints against you. In both cases, you've landed in hot water because there was an unwillingness to debate the merits of the concerns that you raised. But this time is different. You've recently discovered inappropriate and explicit pornographic material which seems to depict pedophilia in public libraries and you've reported it to the police. Bernie, it's hard to fathom that something like this is happening. Tell us what's going on. Uh, Lol, uh, our public libraries in Australia are filling with pornographic children's books. Uh, some of these books even depict children engaged in sex acts. It is shocking. Uh, essentially, they are comics. They are located next to the Batman comics, uh, quite often very close to the Asterix and Obelix comics that many of us grew up uh, enjoying to read when we were children. But right next to them are pornographic children's books. It is shocking. Uh, there are multiple laws being breached from import regulations all the way through to criminal state laws or state criminal laws and Commonwealth laws regarding classification. Essentially, uh, we need to start having our laws enforced we because children are being yeah. exposed to disgusting material. Now, we certainly do, Bernie, and we put uh, some images up on the screen just now while you're talking. We don't mean to offend our viewers, but there's some of the more mild versions. Um, one of the books which we had on screen just then, which you've complained to the police about rightly, is a book entitled Gender Queer. Um, just tell us, what, what is that book and uh, what is it about? So Gender Queer is a book by an American author um, in which she explains her process, I guess, of discovering how she was non-binary, uh, whatever that means. But uh, the problem I have with this book, and so do many other parents across Australia, is that it promotes uh, or depicts sex scenes inside this book, which is an award-winning children's book, uh, including scenes of pedophilia, which the author shows herself masturbating to. Yeah, no, that, that's shocking. Um, and as I said earlier, um, and, and we just had the author's image up on the screen. Just uh, tell us who the author is. So her name is Maya Kobabe. She is a American comic artist, I guess you could call her. Okay. Uh, but she enjoys, I guess, drawing pictures of herself masturbating to pedophilia. Yeah. yeah no, th this is um, well alleged pedophilia. So, so I've, I've, as I said earlier, I've chosen not to show some of the more shocking images. What our viewers have just seen is shocking enough. Uh, but um, we c we can't not discuss uh, what this bush book is pushing um, and the fact that it's pushing the bounds of society's last taboo, which is sex with children. Now, the advocates for genderqueer ideology say, or, or genderqueer book, say that the image of, of adult male engaged with, in a sexual act with a small, what they call a smaller figure, 
as the classification board describes the image, and you reported this to the classification board, they say that the image appears to be, an, well, we, we say it appears to be an adolescent male, um, and they say it's a depiction from ancient Greece's Plato's Symposium. Now, I'm just gonna read from the decision of the classification board. Um, it gave this book, Gender Queer, an unrestricted classification with an M rating, which means it is suitable for, is, sorry, not suitable for children under the age of 15. Now this is what the board says, we're gonna put the quote up on the screen. The board notes that on page 134, there is a highly stylized drawing of a work of ancient Greek art depicting a sexual encounter between an ancient Greek scholar and his student. However, given the historical context of the artwork, the narrative context of the publication and the stylization of the imagery, the board is of the view, of the opinion, that this image does not depict a child under 18 years in a way that offends against the standards of morality, decency, and proprietary, propriety generally accepted by reasonable adults to the extent that it should not be classified. Now, Bernard, surely uh, celebrating what the Greeks were well known for, that is adult males sexually exploiting boys, is not something which, it, it, it's not something which should be given a classification. Remember, this is a book about someone exploring their sexuality. Surely Greek man-boy encounters should not be depicted as a valid way to explore one's sexuality as if this is somehow um, just an amoral concept. You, you uh, absolutely not loyal. Uh, and <clears throat> this is why we need to fight this book. Uh, the implication from the board's decision is very clear that it is a child under the age of 18 uh, and it, that it does offend general standards. They just say it does not offend general standards to the extent that it should be refused classification. Uh, I believe that uh, test is wrong legally. Uh, and I also believe that uh, it is wrong for other reasons. Uh, certainly it is morally wrong. Uh, it has cost me $10,000 to appeal this decision, but I've paid that. Uh, I will be challenging it. This book should not be on the shelves. Uh, and I just want to uh, clarify one point you made. The classification board did not say this book is unsuitable for children under 15. What they said was that it may not be suitable. Uh, there's a big difference there. This book is on children's library shelves across Australia, and in fact, it has been given awards by LGBT groups. Mm. Well, uh, well, just as just a on that, book. just on that point, uh, it um, is completely unacceptable. No, yeah, absolutely. But well, just on that point, then. Um, so we just read out what the classification board said, and you, you rightly say this has been pushed by LGBTIQA plus activists. But if an M rating um, means that it's not suitable for children under the age of 15, uh, is that just some sort of advisory? It's, it, that's not the law. Well, it is just an advice, and the advice is it may not be suitable. Uh, that book is being lent, can be lent legally to children all over Australia, and it is. Uh, it is on children's bookshelves. So you're appealing the decision, as you say, you forked out $10,000 of your own money. And I know that would be a big sacrifice for anyone, about it, but for you, Bernie, I've met you and your lovely family. And I know some of the struggles that you've been through over the last um, many, many years fighting these things. Um, where does this go from, from here? Where does this fight go now that you've uh, appealed this? Yeah, so the Classification Review Board uh, is processing the application at the moment. 
Uh, and at some stage in the next few weeks, that application will be dealt with. As I understand it, although I could be wrong on this, um, I believe it will be open to all Australians uh, to provide their feedback to the, the classification review board about what they think about this book as well. And I would certainly encourage, if that does happen, all Australians to let the classification board know that they do not want books showing pedophile encounters in our libraries, uh, especially not for children. Absolutely, Bernie. Bernie, um, where can people go to follow your work and keep up with this uh, issue? I mean, we'll certainly do our best here on ADH TV and through what I'm doing to promote what you're doing, because I think we've got to multiply the, the force, but where can people find your work and support you? Yeah, thanks, Lyle. So if people go to my website, Bernard Gaynor, that's B-E-R-N-A-R-D, Gaynor, G-A-Y-N-O-R.com.au, BernardGaynor.com.au, you can sign up there. Uh, you can donate to help the fight. Uh, and certainly I'll keep everyone who signs up up to date with this battle. Well, Bernie, thank you so much. You're a fighter. We appreciate what you're doing. Thanks for being with us here today on ADH TV. Now, many of you have been asking for an update on the legal case brought against me by two LGBTIQA plus drag queens. Victorian Labor Premier Daniel Andrews hosting of Drag Queens Reading to Children at Parliament House this week prompted me to provide this uh, much overdue update. It's been three years since these two drag queens commenced legal action against me. My crime was publishing a blog where I said they were dangerous role models for children and should not be reading to them at public libraries. They sued me for vilification under the Queensland Anti-Discrimination Act and as I happened to be living in Queensland at that time. Since May 2020, I've been compelled to attend two mediation sessions which failed, not because I'm not willing to dialogue or to be polite to these people, but because I refused to apologize and comply with demands for money and for demands to censor my blogs. They took me to a three-day trial last November in the Queensland Civil and Administrative Tribunal. I was cross-examined under oath by a senior counsel for several hours. Lawyers for both sides have since filed final submissions, uh, that was just before Easter, and I've been waiting for a decision ever since. I don't know when it will come. The case has cost more than $150,000 so far, and that's before generous pro bono work from my excellent legal team at the Human Rights Law Alliance and from my trial lawyer, Tony Morris, KC. I'm grateful for the thousands of people who crowdfunded my legal defense. If you were one of those, thank you so much. And I'm very grateful for the generosity of my lawyers. The other side, uh, the drag queen side, uh, have the benefit of the taxpayer-funded LGBT legal service that operates out of South Brisbane. Uh, my lawyers have no taxpayer funding. I'm tired of this issue hanging over my life. I believe I've done no wrong. I believe no Australian should have to go through an ordeal like this simply for expressing a view about what is not appropriate for children in public libraries. I'm extremely disappointed in Australia's political class. I have asked several conservative politicians if they would advocate to change our regime of flawed anti-discrimination laws, which have become weaponized since marriage was degendered in the 2017 same-sex marriage plebiscite. There is no will and there is no courage. Lawfare against those of us speaking up for children's and women's rights is only intensifying. 
as we predicted it would during the same-sex marriage debate. Parliament is so beholden to LGBTIQA politics, it cannot bring itself even to pass promised religious freedom protections. My friend Kiralee Smith of advocacy group Binary, who I have on the show every week, uh, and full disclosure, I'm a member of Kiralee's board and proudly so. Uh, Kiralee is also being sued by LGBTIQA trans activists who object to her pointing out biological truth. Sal Grover, who founded a woman's only smartphone application called Giggle, is also being sued by an activist. Hobart City Councillor Louise Elliott faces legal action accused of inciting hatred by saying that trans women are trans women and remain biological men. She's quite right. It's a race to see who ends up in the High Court first in a bid to get a ruling upholding the Constitution's implied right of freedom of political communications. Now, none of us should have to go that far, but that's where it may end up. This is not the country that I grew up in. This attack on freedom of speech is one of the key reasons I'm working for the Family First Party. I see no other way forward but to get principled people elected to parliaments all over this nation. People who know what a woman is, who will advocate for marriage, for family, faith, freedom and life. People who won't compromise the truth. As soon as I am given a decision by the Queensland Civil Administrative Tribunal, I'll let you know. In the meantime, I'd be grateful for your prayers. Well, a couple of things before I go. In a shock decision, the ACT government has announced the compulsory acquisition of the Calvary Hospital, which is owned by the Catholic Church. Now, make no mistake, this is a government-decreed theft of a revered Canberra institution. Let's not beat around the bush. Calvary protects the human life of unborn babies by refusing to conduct abortions on healthy babies with healthy mothers. Calvary also protects the vulnerable and the frail by refusing to kill them via euthanasia. The Andrew Barr Labor Greens government hates this about Calvary. Calvary. With the support of the Liberals, the ACT became the first jurisdiction to offer free abortions to kill unborn babies. Well, the Catholic Church is not taking this lying down. Here's Father Tony Percy asking if they can do this to Calvary, who will be next? What about uh, the independent schools? If they start teaching things the government doesn't like, you can bet them to bottom dollar the government will come after them. And then who's next? Which state is next? Victoria, Queensland, New South Wales. Imagine if uh, St Vincent's in Sydney was treated like this. This is one of the most revered institutions, and yet this could happen if we don't stand up and fight for proper property rights in this magnificent country of ours, Australia, which is a free and fair nation. We've got to keep it that way. Sign the petition, get yourself involved. Folks, we need to get ourselves involved. What is happening is truly shocking. The petition is savecalvary.com. That's savecalvary.com. I don't care where in Australia you live, and I know that the Catholic Church, which is uh, fighting this fight, uh, appreciate the support from those of us who live in other parts of the country. That's savecalvary.com. Now, finally, we keep hearing that the culture war issues like abortion uh, are unpopular with mainstream voters. Viewers of this show will know that the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, recently signed a law that protects human babies who have a heartbeat. 
That's at about six weeks of gestation. Now, the left-wing media and Australia's Liberal Party will have you believe that laws like this are a turn-off to voters and politicians should stay away from issues like this. Uh, Susan Lay, the deputy leader of the Liberal Party, recently warned her members and her parliamentarians to stay away from culture war issues, uh, meaning things like abortion. Well, polling this week shows nothing could be further from the truth. Lila Rose of Live Action tweeted the following, heartbeat laws, laws that protect a preborn child once their heartbeat can be detected are popular. This poll in Florida, a swing state, shows 62% of Floridians support the heartbeat law, including 58% of women, 54% of Democrats, and 76% of Hispanics. There you have it, folks. We need Australian politicians with the courage of a Ron DeSantis to have the fight for the human rights of the unborn. The voters get that a heartbeat is a heartbeat and that that's what humans have and that a human with a heartbeat should be protected in law. Who would have thought? Well, as always, courage to have the fight is the problem. Well, that's it for me this week. Don't forget to catch all the amazing shows right here on ADHD, streaming and on demand. You can follow me on Twitter at Lyle Shelton. I'm also on Facebook. And there's plenty of regular political commentary on the Family First Party website. That's familyfirstparty.org.au. Thanks so much for your company. Until next week, keep speaking up.